Well, we're going to go ahead and get started and uh, hope we can all find a place to be seated. And if you have to uh, move as we're going about the program, just try to do that as quietly as you can. Let's begin with a word of prayer. God, we remember together in this moment that you are the author of every new beginning. You are the creator of every new day and the giver of every good and perfect gift. And so we come to you today as your children, as brothers and sisters in Christ, and we offer you our gratitude for the goodness that is all around us in so many ways. We're grateful for time, for this time to be and to become for a place like this where we can learn and be changed and for all the people around us now we're grateful those who will support us and befriend us and walk with us and we're also grateful for those who will challenge us hear our prayers of gratitude God we received this day as it is a gift from your heart amen in just a moment uh, we're going to take a few minutes and try to make sure we're on the same page and kind of do the syllabus thing. But before we do that, we're blessed this morning to have our interim president here, Dr. David Garland. David is a graduate from Oklahoma Baptist University and Southern Seminary. He is a New Testament scholar who's written 13 books. He is the dean of George W. Truett Seminary here at Baylor and over the last few months has been the interim president, steering a pretty big ship, and we're grateful for his service to our community and to us. He is a beloved teacher here at Baylor and a wonderful friend to so many of us. I want you to give a warm Waco Hall welcome to Dr. David Garland. Thanks. I am, uh, was asked by Bert to talk about why chapel is important. And I've seen the lineup. I've been told and can see that this is a wonderful lineup for chapel speakers uh, this semester. And I need to tell you that I'm not it, a part of this wonderful lineup. In fact, I'm not really a good person to speak about why chapel is so important when I reflect on my experience when I was in college and went to a college that required chapel I usually did not want to be there and I think I let it be known never by being rude but usually by body language and then when I was in seminary chapel was not required and I usually thought that I had something more important to do. I had work to do, I had books to read, papers to write. And so when I was asked by Bert that I needed to say something about why chapel was important, I thought hey, maybe this is God punishing me for my behavior. But I've spent the majority of my life in a faith-based institution and as I reflected on this, when I remember the important things that happened to me in school and in seminary 
And as a faculty member in a seminary, it was always something that happened in chapel. So this was a good exercise for me to remember. And I came up with a long list of things that I remember that happened in chapel that I wanted to share with you. The list is too long, and I'm just going to share one. It's a life-changing event for me. Thomas Groom, a professor at Boston College, came to our chapel and spoke. And he started out by asking us to imagine that we were some clay vessel in a pottery shop. And that we were to imagine what kind of vessels we were, where are we placed in the shop, what are the vessels like that are around us, what's the potter like, and then he did a surprising thing, he just stopped and let us sit there in complete silence, which you know we don't like, and just imagine for four to five minutes about being a clay vessel. And I thought to myself, this is crazy. What's he doing? I knew I should have skipped this chapel. But then he said, take another imaginary look at yourself, only look a little bit closer, and you see, you discover that there is some kind of damage. What kind of damage do you see? What are you thinking? What are you thinking about the damage? What are you thinking about the potter? What do you think you can be used for? And then he just let us sit there and imagine. And I can remember my first reaction was when I looked at myself being broken is to get the super glue out and try and put it together. But we all know that the only thing super glue is good for is sticking your fingers together. Nothing else holds together more than a day. The glue won't work. And then I thought, here I am, a cracked pot. Maybe I can be remade. You remember Jeremiah, he's talking, looking at the potter, and he makes a mistake, and so he just recasts it on the wheel. And so I thought, well, maybe God can make me sturdier, more indestructible. And while God is at it, God can make me a lot more attractive without any of the blemishes. And then Thomas Groom intervened and said, by the way, in case you're thinking about being made, let me remind you that once the clay has been hardened in the kiln, it can never be softened again. It, you can never be made, remade into something new. The potter cannot remake me, earthen vessel that I am, into something flawless. And then I remember becoming angry at the potter. Why did you make me like this? Look at me. I am nothing but a factory reject. And then anger became shame. We look at ourselves, and we see that we're this broken-down collection of barely-held-together shards, and we think, the potter must be disappointed in me. I'm in the factory reject bin. 
I'm disappointed in me. Other people are disappointed in me. I am a useless pot. Only thing I'm good for is to fill up some landfill. And then came the question, can you be a good cracked pot? And then the scripture. From 2 Corinthians 4, where Paul says we had this treasure in clay jars so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God, does not come from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be made visible in our bodies. For while we live, we're always being given up to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may be made more visible in our mortal flesh. And then it clicked for me. Why treasure in fragile earthen vessels to show that the treasure has nothing to do with the pot? Why treasure in fragile earthen vessels to show that the power belongs entirely to God? Why treasure in fragile earthen vessels because we do not preach ourselves we preach Christ crucified and Christ as Lord. And there are stress fractures when you are persecuted and struck down and always carrying the in your body the death of Jesus. There are stress fractures, but Paul would say through these very cracks, the divine light shines to enlighten others. And the Corinthians said that Paul, his bodily presence was weak. His speech was of no account. He would never make it today on TV. He would never make it on the speaking circuit. And Paul had to admit they were right. He was not all that much to look at. He had this low-maintenance hairdo without, not, without much product in his hair he was no spellbinder when it came to oratory he had this thorn in the flesh which was offensive which no matter how many times he prayed to God to remove God did not remove it he probably had a cauliflower ear from all the times he was beaten up for preaching the gospel he had dirt under his fingernails for working in the leather shop and Paul affirms that he is this fragile clay pot, but filled with God's treasure. And he says in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, For God shone out of the darkness and shone in his heart that he might give the light of the knowledge of the glory in the face of Christ to all who see. There are fractures, there are cracks, but through these cracks, the divine light shines to enlighten others. This was a life-changing moment for me in chapel. And what I learned was that no one is perfect, even though we may try to appear perfect. What I learned is that the potter is no fool and knows what he is doing, 
What I learned is that God loves us cracks and all. We may not love ourselves. Others may not love us, but God loves us. And what I learned was that God can use us cracks and all. And the most amazing thing in my ministry is that when I reflect on it, it's the times that I was the most powerful were the times when I did the dumbest things. Now, chapel may not do that for you. But I'm convinced that there will be times when you may overhear the gospel and it will change your life as it did mine. Again and again and again. And so every Tuesday at 9.30, regardless of my schedule, no matter how many times my handlers say I need to be doing this, I want to make sure that I'm in the chapel at Truth Seminary because it's a holy moment, a sacred moment, and you never know when God may break through and speak to you and change your life. I hope that happens to you, and I pray that happens to you during the chapels at Sprayler University. And thank you so much. Have a good semester. Welcome to chapel. I'm really glad that you're here. I, I am more excited than ever about this semester. I looked at the schedule recently, and I have to tell you in all my years of chapel, and I, I've never said this before, it's the strongest schedule we've ever had at chapel for a semester. So I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad the guests we're going to have are here. For those of you who don't know, my name's Ryan Richardson. I'm one of the chaplains here at Baylor. And this is Dr. Burt Burleson, and he's the university chaplain. And we are both going to be here with you every, every Monday and Wednesday, um, here for worship and here for all the various reasons that we come to this place. We're glad that you're going to be a part. However, today we have a little bit of bookkeeping to do and um, some things that we just need to take care of. So did you get a, a syllabus on your way in? Okay, you might want to pull that out. If you did not get a syllabus, wave your hand vigorously in the air like this, and someone will bring a syllabus to you. That person back there, good, that was vigorous. Great. While, while you're getting your syllabus, I'm going to go ahead and start by telling you this. For those of you who have been in chapel before, Back last semester, you remember this thing called University 1000. This semester, there is no University 1000. So with, with that great round of approval, we, everyone falls under the same attendance policy, and that is the attendance policy set forth by the university, which is you need to be here 75% of the time. Now, for those math wizards in the room, there are 28 chapels. How many do you have to attend? 21. It's 75%. It's university policy. Is there such thing at, at, at Baylor as excused absences? There, there are no excused absences at Baylor. It's just you can miss 25% of class for whatever reason, and 75% you can't miss. So what you need to do is you need to hold some of those absences back because what's going to happen is you're going to miss your full amount, and then toward the end of the semester you're going to get sick, and you're going to say, oh, I just can't get out of bed this morning, but you've already missed so many chapels, and then you're going to think, Maybe there are excused absences after all. And you're going to email us, and we're going to have to be those bad people who email you back and say, I'm sorry, but you failed chapel just because you have a cold this morning because you had already missed all your other ones earlier in the semester. So that's all I have to say about that. Just make sure 
that you were here on time. I do need to tell you this. Three, three minutes after your chapel starts, this chapel starts at 1010. Three minutes later would be 10. Thank you. We're going to close those doors. We just can't have people coming in all the time. At 1013, that's 18 minutes after your last class ended, if you have a class before this. If you can't get here in 18 minutes, we should probably talk about something else altogether. So we're not going to be able to let you in after that. So you'll just have to take an absence that day. So just be here on time as well. And be, when you're here, we want you to be. We hope you will be very present to all that's going on. We know there are going to be some days when you cram the night before and you're going to doze off or, or maybe the speaker doesn't engage you. or so there'll, there'll be things like that. But the bare minimum is that you be respectful and appropriate while you're here. 99% of the people in chapel are. Occasionally we have some problem with people carrying on conversations or pulling out an iPod or a lariat down here. You want to communicate respect to those around you, but particularly our chapel guest. That's really, really important to us, and carrying on conversation is a real problem. Uh, listening to iPods is a real problem. Pulling out your laptop's a real problem, and if we see that, we're just going to ask you to leave for the day, and you won't get credit for that day. So be respectful and present and appropriate. You know, sometimes you scan your ID and it, it reads accepted and you walk away and then later on in the semester you get online and you're checking your attendance and you see that it somehow didn't register. That, that really rarely ever happens. You, I don't know how much trust you have in our machines, but our machines are really good. Those scanners at the doors, they're really good. They don't miss much. Uh, but if you really do think that you scanned and it said accepted and you really do think that you were here and you're like, I don't know what happened, this is what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to contact us within a week of that chapel. For instance, if you walk out of here today and you scan and then you go about your merry way and I want you to check this week sometime, not today because it won't register until this time tomorrow, but sometime this week I want you to log on to baylor.edu slash spiritual life and go to chapel and, and there's this huge box that says check your attendance Click that box, go in there, log in, check your attendance. If it says that you were absent and you're like, no, I wasn't absent, I need you to dispute that within a week of that date. Now, it says it real clearly here, but at the end of the semester, some of you are going to say, I missed one too many chapels. I'm going to fail chapel. Oh, no. And you're going to write us and you're going to say, but I was here that day. Y you can't dispute it then. You have to dispute it within a week after it happens. So that means you need to be logging on and checking your attendance every week. So just put it on your calendar, like every Thursday morning, get up, check your attendance, and see, was I counted present at chapel this week? And just make sure all of that's good. Make sure when you slide that it says accepted. Okay? That's your responsibility to do that. If you don't have a card that's working or you left a card, you can have five vouchers. The chapel assistants can give you one. You can take it to Lisa Garrett at the booth and have your attendance recorded that way. How many vouchers can you have a semester? Thank you. You know, everybody wakes up on the wrong side of the bed sometimes. Uh, Bert can tell you that I sometimes, even though I'm a smiley guy, I wake up on the wrong side of the bed sometimes, and I come to work, and Bert will say something like, hey, Ryan, how are you today? And I'll say, shut up. I'm having a bad day. So here, here's the problem. Sometimes you wake up on the wrong side of the bed, and we, we have to come to you because you're, you're talking loudly in chapel, carrying on a conversation about the video game you played last night. And, and, and you're talking really loud, and we have to say, hey, can you, can you quiet down? And you turn around, you go, shut up. Okay, if that were to happen, 
we're going to have to forward you on to judicial affairs. So I just want you to know that if you do wake up on the wrong side of the bed, maybe think to yourself, number one, should today I take an absence? Or number two, I should probably not be rude. Basically what I'm saying is our staff works really hard, and the last thing we want to do is come tap you on the shoulder and ask you to stop listening to music or having a conversation or typing your paper on your laptop. We don't want to have to do that. We just wish you wouldn't do those things. But when we do have to come tap you on the shoulder, be, be courteous. If you're not courteous to anyone on the Baylor campus, if an authority figure approaches you and you are rude or belligerent, we, we have to send you to judicial affairs. It's just part of it. And so we just expect you to be courteous, and we will be courteous to you. Um, we won't come to you rudely either. Yeah, if we come to you and, and because you forgot and you're carrying on a conversation, we say step outside with us for a second. The only good response is, I'm really sorry. I know that wasn't respectful. Okay, That's the only good thing to say at that time. Am I up? Yeah. Last thing here. We shouldn't have to say this, but we really have to. There's no cheating at Baylor, and there's no cheating in chapel. I mean, you can't not be here, try to sneak back in and slide a card. You can't call us, which we have happened frequently, and say, I was there, and it's not showing up on my schedule. And we say, and can you tell me a little bit about uh, the program that day? And then we find out by the answers that people really weren't there. If that happens, we have to, again, that's cheating, we have to refer you to the Honors Council, and it will probably result and you're not passing chapel for that semester. So just know that. I mean, you need to, to uh, make sure you're a person of integrity in everything you do at Baylor, but particularly in here, this is a sacred place and a sacred time, and we want you to treat it as such. Okay, that's all really, really boring stuff, but it's stuff that if we don't tell you now, you're going to say maybe that we, we didn't tell you. So now we've told you, you have it. You can put it away. I don't really want to talk about that anymore. We hate being the bad people, but sometimes we have to be. But the rest of today is fun times. So I want you to know, first off, I said it at the beginning, it's going to be a great semester of chapel. It's the best semester we've had, the best lineup I've seen. I'm just really excited about it. I want to tell you that the rest of today, it is 1037. In just a moment, Dr. Burleson is going to send us out with a blessing. But when he sends us out, I want you to know where the Bobo Spiritual Life Center is. The Spiritual Life Center, if you've not been there, is two doors that direction. I mean, it's there's the Tidwell Bible Building, then there's the Bobo Spiritual Life Center that way. The reason you need to know that is because we've purchased breakfast or brunch, I guess, at this point in the day for all of you. So if you want to grab brunch, you don't have to stay. There's no program. There's no. There's nothing you have to sign up for. It's just there's food and coffee and juice and pastries and fruit and all kinds of stuff sitting in the Bobo Spiritual Life Center. Several hundred of you have been there after the first chapel, and they're still there hanging out having food. So after the blessing, I want you to, to feel free to go and go out the door, scan your card, and then turn right, go two doors down, grab some food, and then you can head off to your next class. We just want you to have sustenance. So let's uh, be dismissed with this word. May God bless all that we do and say in this place during the semester. May we all be present to his presence here, present to one another, present to every speaker, to every program, every song, and every sermon. And may the Lord bless us because of that. Amen.